wandering journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Buckle up to meet a great array of ordinary, everyday, incredible Australians. This podcast is brought to you by DM Podcasts, part of Diamantina Media, with more than 25 million downloads for a range of shows such as The Batuta Advocate and Chat 10 Looks 3. Sometimes you meet someone whose dedication to their craft is so meticulous and thorough, you just have to find out what drives their passion. So it was with international award-winning photographer Eric Renyard. He and his twin brother Ian have travelled the world doing high-end art and advertising photography. They heard about the wonders of underwater photography in Niue, a tiny island off Tonga, with water so clear it's like being suspended in space. And so they designed their underwater Polaroid camera and housing and after years of planning took off on their adventure. In a true twist of fate, they went searching for whales, but instead came back with astounding underwater photos featuring a female model that make you question the laws of physics. These photos have won awards from all around the world and are now on display in a special exhibition called Floating Bits in Brisbane's Maud Street Photo Gallery. Eric tells us in this episode of Streets of Your Town what keeps driving his creative quest after decades of taking photos all around the world. My name is Eric Renier and I'm a photographer. Eric, thank you for joining Streets of Your Town. It's wonderful to talk to you today. Pleasure. Here with your beautiful pooch. What's your dog's name again? Jack. Jack. Outside one of your favourite coffee shops here in Newstead, life is good, really. This is this is very nice. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's not too hot today. And we've got a lovely weather. And yeah, Newstead is fantastic. So I want to talk to you about this wonderful exhibition that you have at the moment. You mentioned you're a photographer, but goodness me, I think that's almost pretty much almost underestimating what you've achieved here. I'm lucky enough to have seen it myself. But beautiful beautiful large format photos that there's just such a lovely story behind. Can you tell us a little bit about how this exhibition came to be? Well, it was back in 2006 and I went to a diving shop to I used to teach at and my old instructor said to me, Eric, you should go to this place, it's quite amazing. You can swim with the whales and they come quite close to you and there's 60 meters visibility. So I, I got a twin brother who's, um, we're working together all the time. Um, well, he's in Perth, but one weekend now. And um, <clears throat> so I went to see him and said, hey, maybe we should go to this place. And we went, why not? It could be quite amazing shooting the whales. And we just started shooting in large format Polaroid film, which we were shooting at the time with a 4x5 camera. And we thought, yeah, why don't we you know, try, try to shoot it with a... We're having a large animal. Why don't we shoot it with a large camera? Little did we knew. <laughs> <laughs> because it was quite an effort even to get to this tiny little island, really, wasn't it? It's not really 
that we'll know outside the diving world? It's, a, it's an island called Nui. It's on the east coast of Tonga. It's quite small. They, they, they don't even have their own currency. They're run by New Zealand, which is quite amazing. So because they don't have the the money to be able to run themselves, basically. But their main industry is fishing for tuna, I think. There was a tuna factory there. But beautiful little place. It's like a limestone mushroom, and when the rain falls on it, the rain gets filtered, all the water gets filtered and um, by the limestone, and that's why there's no sediment going into the water, because there's no rivers actually going into the ocean. So that's why you've got that 60 metres visibility? Yes, that's right. Oh, because yeah. that's quite incredible. Did you, could you quite believe it? Well, I thought we were going, oh, okay, <laughs> is it from one person? Because yes. a lot of people are always telling me, oh, it, the water is so clear here, look at it, and I'm jumping in, and I'm going, oh my god, okay. I get a bit spoiled because I travel quite a bit to Tahiti, and all those Pacific Islands are got quite clear water, so it's amazing. But was this next level clear? It was amazing, yeah, 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 yeah. And when we were there, the only downside, there's lots of sea snakes. <gasps> Truly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, how'd you and, find that? <laughs> and for me, it's fine, because I've dived with them before, but the model was petrified. The good thing with the model is that she she was quite, I wouldn't say blind, but she had to wear contacts, strong contacts. So when she was underwater and having her eyes open, she couldn't see much. <laughs> so when there was, uh, you know, snakes floating around, she couldn't see them. And I, I didn't say anything to her. But you were keeping an eye on it. Yes, yeah, yeah. But some, it's funny because sea snakes are always attracted to things that floats because they want to come and rest. So basically what you got to do is be the person in the way. So the, the snake come to you other than to her. Goodness me. So what happened with the amazing whales that you were told that you would see, Eric? Well, uh, for basically on the first day we went there, we put all our stuff together and then we started looking for the whales and after a couple of days we didn't see any. So we thought, well, why don't we start shooting because a couple of things is that we haven't used the, that camera that we built especially for this project much, especially in an open ocean. And then also the model, we had all these different positions in mind and the model will just get better at posing and the time that we'll see a whale we'll be able to quickly go into a position without having to try to perfect it while the whale was there and wasting time so it was just better for both of us to be more ready in case we saw whales so we started shooting and after the second third fourth <laughs> Fifth day, we still didn't see any whales, and after two weeks, we had no whales, unfortunately. But we were we were taking all these photos, and at the end of the two weeks, we went. Well, it was it was a little bit sad and disappointing, but we still have amazing photos, and we felt 
a little bit alone. We always felt that the whales was playing a catch and or a, <laughs> a sneaky game with us, and that they were some somewhere around there, but we couldn't see them. But we had all these photos, and when we came back home, we had. A really a good look at them we went well we've got something special here yeah. and eventually a friend of ours said why don't you put that in a competition in New York that was happening at the time and we won we won the prize of the IPA award in New York in 2010 so it was kind of cool it just kind of shows you that sometimes in photography you plan for things but it doesn't always go to plan, but other things can turn out, you know, that can be quite as amazing, you know. So you just got to go with the flow and do what you can do best with what you got on hand. And the images, they're just stunning and so beautiful to see them in such lovely big format. Just to see this model, just it's actually suspended in midair, but it's actually in the water. Yeah, quite often. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite. It's, they're quite special, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wildlife sometimes around her as well, making incredible shapes. And yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. So it was good. It was quite good. So this exhibition is mainly photos from that trip. Yeah, uh, there's three photos from the test shoot we did for the camera, because we were a little bit anxious about going to Norway. Basically, the camera took us about a year to to work out how we're going to make it work underwater because it's not a camera you normally or nobody will take underwater it's very hard to work on land this is a fascinating aspect <clears throat> of this too eric i couldn't believe it when you were explaining this on opening night but you basically built this camera is that right yeah well it was a camera that was already there built but we had the way there's lots of technical uh thing that I won't bore you with, but basically we had to deconstruct the camera and rebuild it with an engineer backwards um, because of the focusing system. So then once we had that, we were okay and we were thinking, well, we're going to go to a place that we never dug before, that we, we don't really know how to work this camera and it was in an open ocean so we decided to go to Tahiti because I've swam there with a stingray before it was you were in a calm lagoon the stingray was you know quite friendly and it was only like two meters deep so we went and did a test shoot with it there and the test shoot came out quite incredible so in the exhibition, we've got three photos oh, of that. From um, like your test run? From the test run, <laughs> which was for a test run was quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. And what I found fascinating about this camera, you built the housing for it essentially. To uh, well, not us, right? we, we gave sort of it to somebody. Specs, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We brought the camera to this guy called Dave Kelly in Newcastle. Um, who normally built waterproof housing for the surf industry. And he built the, the housing for it. So, and you needed like 15 kilos to sink the, the, the housing. Quite because, a logistical effort, even just getting in the water with all this gear. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just 
it, it was quite a process, you know. And then having the model and everything lined up, ready to go. Yes, because you can only take one shot at a time, you know. Truly. So so you have to go down and then come back up? Yeah, so once you take a photo, you got to come back to the boat, take the film out, put it's a new Polaroid. film. Yeah, like the ones process, that we had at the party. Yeah, process the Polaroid, <laughs> have a look at it. Ian was giving me some feedback and direction put a new film in and then screw the put the camera back in the housing screw the housing back together and then pass it to me and then I'll put the the weight around it to go down I would go to the model and then we were starting to try to shoot and it's incredible the um, sometimes the model's position was good but there was no stingrays and sometimes there was stingrays, but the position was not right. So we had to wait and there was, we were up and down like a yo-yo. And um, when it all came together, I took a shot and then go back to the boat and the whole process started again. Because the other complication, <clears throat> Eric, as if this wasn't hard enough, but it, there's not really a viewfinder on this camera. No, either, you're there? right. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those cameras that, uh, you can view through the camera, but you, it needs to be without the film in the camera. So you got to look at the back through, there's a ground plate at the back. You look at it, you focus every, uh, everything, and then you got to put the film in, etc. But we couldn't do that underwater. So we had to have everything set in a fixed focus. And then just pointing at the right direction, hoping that, you know, I normally put things straight in front of me, in the middle, hoping everything was there. It sounds like you really needed your twin brother there as well. It was quite oh, a yeah, yeah, effort, yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't it, to and this together? So people ask me if Ian shot also, and he could have gone, but because once you start shooting with it, there's a little bit of a skill you acquire and vice versa. I had it down pat you know, shooting with it, you know, in the water, and he had everything down pat, processing the film on the Zodiac. So just to change would have been wasting too much time. So we just kept to our um, job. <laughs> so really, you didn't know what you had until you came back to the surface. Yeah, yeah, virtually. Amazing. Yeah. And then, so sometimes we came out with great shot, and but we decided to keep on shooting the same position we had we decided from the start if we shot one position per day because we were there for three weeks in Tahiti it would be good because if we had a great shot we could come out with a better shot later we might not all, all the time but it was always trying to do can we get something better you know or more special and and this exhibition just shows what, what can come. I just think I'm fascinated, Eric, about your meticulous kind of nature of your craft that you had the vision to bring this all together and, you know, to that fine degree. I, I, think, you know? <laughs> I think a lot of it was at first, oh, we'll just go there and shoot it. Yeah. And then not realising really what it would take and how we would do it and that that's why it took us really a year to try to figure out and slowly and surely we came with a solution and then there was going yeah but how are we going to do that 
something. And so there was all these complications. And then when we put the whole thing together, it was like, okay, we've done this. We got to keep on going, you know, because it's not going to be easy. But I think, like I said on the, the opening night, I'm also a photographer that shoot commercially, etc. And I go out and I shoot 500 or 1,000 photos in one day. And it was so great to be able to shoot just kind of eight photos in one day and really had to take time and calculate and make sure that you got the right time when you press that um, button because and even sometime three seconds later there was like and as good as a photo and sometimes even better and you go oh no I can't shoot it because I've already shot it I need to go back to the boat but that's the nature of the beast right and I guess with the size and everything it was a beast and but it was just so enjoyable at the end and you know, just the, um, the thing we learn, the, the amount of PR we got throughout all these years just with this project was quite amazing. And, and that's why I always recommend photographers to go out and do personal project. And even if it's a little bit different, you know, that's how you're, you know, people are going to take notice of you because otherwise working for other people is great, but you know, you're always doing what they want you to do. Well, it's wonderful to have such world standard work here in little old Brisbane. And of course, you're, you're living in Brisbane now too, which is a great place yeah. to Yeah, we moved here in 2020 and I just love Brisbane. I'm a foodie guy, so I love my food and there's a great food culture here. So it's quite amazing. And we cruise around all the time trying to find good food. And even if it, the great thing, you got some high-end stuff, but you got also some really simple, local, good food that's just great. Yeah. Mm, I'm thinking of the little Vietnamese store just near my house that I love going to get my lunch at. Now yeah. you've got me dreaming about it. <laughs> but no, you're right, it's suppose. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's good for someone who hasn't grown up in Brisbane to come and tell you what's good about a place and makes you realise it's True. better than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, for me, as long as the food is made with love. I've gone to places and I go, hmm... It's not really great because it seems like it's just been slapped together and they just want to make a sale and that's it. Yep. But you have all these people, especially coming from, you know, you have cooks coming from overseas and it's their passion, it's their life. They've always been doing this and they just love it and you have amazing food like that. Well, it's been wonderful chatting to you today. Have you got any other projects coming up with your brother that uh, that you've got planned or what, what's the next step from here? Well, I'm, I'm always shooting, you know, some lifestyle stuff. I, you know, when I'm doing, when I see somebody on the street, it's always, okay, can I do somebody? <laughs> My wife is always going, how come you're looking, you're seeing at all these people, you're looking at all these people. I'm constantly looking at people. <laughs> to see if they can be my model, guy or girl. But at the moment, I started a project at the beginning of last year, which was trying to capture people in rock pools. Oh, wow. So they're a little bit hard to find here. I've flown a little bit in Sydney and done some Sydney's stuff done on some, some um, ocean pools. The 
problem over here, you got some great rock pools in rivers, but the rivers are a little bit cooler. Yes. So your model doesn't last that long. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yet to find there's a rock pool in Noosa. I need to go there and do some, find a model and do something there and try different places. And keep an eye out for you Eric thank you so much for telling us about your story and, and congratulations on the exhibition which has been extended to the end of November mm -hmm. so whereabouts is it again in case people passing through Brisbane and can have a look so it's at the Mode Street photo gallery it's on 6 Mode Street in Newstead it's lovely little gallery there and yeah come and have a look at the the work there's some pieces the three pieces that's two meters wide so it's quite spectacular they are they're incredible it's so um, wonderful to see photos i think produced in the way they should be yes mm, such a large... i love large form and yeah. i think you know it, it really draws you into the photograph so it's kind of nice yeah yeah that was internationally renowned photographer Eric Renyard telling me about his lifelong love of his art and practice for this episode of Streets of Your Town. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, aka The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. If you'd like to meet more everyday, incredible Australians, subscribe and listen to the back catalogue of Streets of Your Town, including Series 2, The Journo Project, on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please review and rate Streets of Your Town on your podcast provider, share the show with your mates, or join my wandering Journo tribe of supporters at the Streets of Your Town website. Site, soyt.substack.com. Mm -hmm.